0: It, uh, it, it speaks prophetically of the time when the Lord will reign on the earth, rule the world for a thousand years. I have been uh, studying recently uh, postmillennialism. That won't mean anything to most of you, but postmillennialism is a view that uh, says that uh, the world finally is going to get it figured out. And there's gonna, it's, we're gonna get it figured out. Christians are gonna lead them, and we're all gonna get it figured out, and we're gonna have a thousand years reign of joy and peace, and then the Lord will come at the end of that time. Well, boy, I tell you what, I was reading and studying all that, the all the points and the emphases and the and the priorities that they put in Scripture, and, and boy, I said this is very convincing. Very, very convincing. Everything they put in there was very, very convincing. And then I said, but I only got one problem. Man fails every time. We have fallen every time. And we're not going to get it right. We're not going to figure it out. The whole point of the whole thing is to figure out that he's the answer. And he'll come and he'll reign for a thousand years and we'll have joy to the world. The Lord has come. All right, turn your Bibles. You that were in Bible study this morning are going to get a little bit of a repeat, which I see nothing wrong with that. I'm in 1st chapter of John, the Gospel of John. And uh, I uh, I was uh, Wednesday night, I preached uh, a message that you that were here won't even remember what I preached. Shame on you for not remembering today and being able to say, Preacher, I know what you preached on Wednesday night. Well, I've got a a good member of the church that always writes down any time I preach from a text. He writes that date down. And he'll come to me from time to time and say, You preached this at a certain time. And I had preached that sermon in 1990, in 2001, and maybe one other time. And uh, you're going to discover that I have preached this sermon before or this passage before. And and before we think, wow, you can't come up with anything new, that's not the problem, folks. That's not the problem. I can come up with stuff new all the time. I actually, normally, on Sunday morning, I'm preaching through 1 uh, Kings right now. I've never really preached through the book of 1 Kings. I'm going to go through 2 Kings and... First and Second Chronicles, areas I've never been in before. But you don't realize this, but in the time that I've been here, this short span of time I've been here, there's only about three books that I haven't preached through. What you do, what you're always you saying, preacher. I think we need the whole counsel of God. I do. We need to hear the word of God, and I've been inspired by my my studying, not my preaching. All right. My studying and 1 Kings. I have been inspired by the Spirit teaching me 1 Kings. But then I want to say, on the other hand, there are some things in the Bible that are so important, you got to come back to it. You got to come back to it. And I don't get to come back to it. And the, the biggest problem is not preaching the whole council, the whole book. The biggest problem is getting to everything. We really ought to start having church every night. And, and and if if I would not only be the only one here, we would do that, and uh, so we can get it all in, right? And some of you would be here, and I appreciate that. But uh, we're here in First Chapter John today. I think somewhere around 10 years ago, I preached this. We'll ask later. I'll find out later, and uh, see where when the last time we preached it. But it's just it's such a wonderful pastor. I listened to Keith teach it this morning. And and it it inspires me, and it it should you. Look at it here. Let's read the text together. In the beginning was the capital W-O-R-D. And the capital W-O-R-D was with God, capital G. And the capital W word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Not gods, but God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him, there's a great two words there, in him, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him, the light, rather, might believe. And he was not that light, John wasn't, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. The spark inside of man is God's spark, his spirit. Not that we have his spirit in, in, in essence of habit, but God put that spirit in us. We're not an animal. We have the spirit, the life of God in us. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, John said, as the glory of the only begotten, the unique Son of God, only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Amen. And of his fullness have all we receive, and grace for grace. And the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Hmm. Yeah, I love this passage. Verse 1, in the beginning was, past tense, the word. Now, the W-O-R-D, capital W-O-R-D, is not speaking of the written word, but of the living word. We have the written word here that has life in it. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, before he became Jesus, was always the written, the living word, not the written word, the living word. Second person of the Trinity. Now you and I need to know him better and so that we know him better we might love him more. We need to know him better that we might love him more and then when we would love him more we'll make him known to more people. Now John's gospel, 21 chapters says to us over and over that Jesus is the great I am. There is actually uh, a series you can do out of John about the Great I Am. And who do we associate the Great I Am? Well, who did Moses meet with in, on the mount? Who was Moses with at the burning bush? It was the Great I Am. Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus of the New Testament. He is God, right? And so God, uh, John's gospel differs from the other Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels, in that he he sets apart the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is the great I Am. He is God in the flesh. The Son of God, God in the flesh. He is not one of many, but he's the only one. The only one. Uh, many religions like to think of, well, Mohammed and all these other creatures, humans, men, are co-equals with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is absurd, impossible, not at all. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. Now look at verse 14. There's the Christmas story in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh. What? What? Look at it. The Word was, and then He was made flesh. I, I, I don't think, growing up in my background and tradition, there's not a the, there's not a possibility that anybody in this room would think that Jesus came into existence at the birth at His birth at Bethlehem. But they tell me a lot of people have that problem. So I want to tell you, He always was. And he took flesh, we celebrated Christmas. And the Word, verse 14, was made flesh and dwelt among us, John says. He dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Man, he's got to be referring to -to day-to-day life. He's got to be referring to when he went on, on that mountain, and he was transfigured before their eyes right? He's got to be referring to those things. He said, we beheld His glory. He said, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. John says there's no there, there's, there's no possible way that He is not the unique Son of God. That's what He is saying there. He said, full of grace and truth. Well, that separates Him from us too because I find that men and women are either full of grace or full of truth. There's hard to get the balance, Right? We, we either have grace or we have truth, but Jesus has it all together. He's a lovely Savior. He's a wonderful Savior. Uh, you know, you get to listen. Now, I, I hope you don't get this when you hear me preach, but I, I get to listen to, to, to certain sermons, and, and I get to thinking that God is a big monster up there, and He's just waiting to come down on me. No, that's not God. He, he came down, all right, became a servant. And a servant of man, he took upon us all of our sins, the sins of the world, and he died for us. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. Don't, don't ever separate yourself from the love of God and understanding the love of God. Jesus, John would say, is the only one of his kind. The only one of his kind. The only begotten Son of God. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave His only begotten Son, right? only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, we celebrate this Savior, the birth of the Savior. Now, who is He? Uh, what's, What's going on? And there are people that don't understand these things. I think of the woman at the well. You, you remember the conversation Jesus had in John 4? It's a great. You know, again, chapter 4, uh, uh, John is distinguishing that he is God. And, and the woman says, uh, uh, You know, I heard that there's a greater one than Jacob. Are you that one greater than Jacob? He said, I, She said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Uh, many people believe that about Jesus. But if that's all you believe about Jesus, you are still yet in your sins and not saved. There has to be the time that you believe that He's the one who died for your sins. And the only one that could die for your sins is the Lamb of God. Now, He, as Matthew said, is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. John and the other apostles and all the people that followed Jesus, the women and all, they 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 were with him, and 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 they they come to realize that that he was God with them. Now, he's Emmanuel. There's no mistake about it. Look at John 15, he says, And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. It was not an accident. God doesn't have accidents, right? By the way, you don't have accidents. It's all in God's will and His plan. But it was no accident that John was born six months before Jesus. He was conceived six months before Jesus, and he was born six months before Jesus because that's a proof text. It's a proof text. He came after him. But yet he was before him. Well, no, he wasn't. He was born six months after him. Hey, there's got to be more to him than that which was born six months after John. Do you follow that understanding? If we look over in John 8, I love this. I love this. John 8, verse uh, 58. John 8, 58, it says this. 57, then said the Jews unto Jesus Thou art not yet 50 years old. You're not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? They're mocking him, aren't they? You're not 50 years old. Abraham was 2,000 years ago, and you're telling us you knew. Notice what Jesus said, verse 58. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. He's the great I Am. He was before Abraham. This is our Savior. Why would you want another? Why would you think there's any equal? He was before Abraham. He is God in the flesh. Over in uh, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 it says this, But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah." though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth. He come forth unto me that is to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth hath been from of old, from everlasting. Whose going hath been from old, from everlasting. Can you see that? The Bible makes it clear, and we need to understand it. Now listen, if... If the liberals, the the liberal cause says this, if we could just get rid of the things that are hard to believe from Christianity, more people would become Christians. So they say, well, if we could get rid of the virgin birth, if we could get rid of the preexistence of Jesus, if he could just be a prophet or a good man or a good teacher to come, then he would be more believable. That's logical, isn't it? It'll lead you straight to hell and the world straight to hell. The whole purpose of God sending, let's say it this way, the whole purpose of God coming, God coming, or we could say sending his son, is that we would know him, the great I am. See, there was a problem in the garden, right? A problem, a problem for Adam, big problem for Adam, right? Big problem for us, right? Bigger problem for God. Why is it such a big problem for God? Because he loves us so. What's a big problem for God? I can't have fellowship with them. I can't walk among them. I can't be in them. Why, God, well, why can't you? You can do anything. No, there are certain things I can't do. Yeah, you heard it. There certain, what is it, God, that you can't do? I can't be around sin. Right? And that's why, as a Christian, now, so in a little devotional thought here, as a Christian, when we have sin in our life, we lack fellowship with God. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Our prayers go unanswered. So we need to confess our sins for His faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, right? I'm glad I'm saved. How about you? So before Abraham was, Jesus, I am. He's the one that called Abraham. Think about it. They said, you're not yet 50 years old, and you're saying that you know Abraham. And he said, I'm the one that called Abraham. I'm the one that spoke to him and called him out of Ur of the Chaldees to come to this place. and said, there I'll make a mighty nation of you. And he's the one that spoke to Moses. From the burning bush, he's the great I am. He, Jesus, is the one. He's the one that spoke to Moses in the, who, who, who shall I say sent me? I am that I am. It's like I remember a comedian doing something with that. The great I am, the deliverer of Israel. Daniel, Daniel, he falls down into the the lion's den, doesn't he? Oh, what a mess he's in, right? No, no, he really wasn't because he was doing exactly what God wanted to do, and it's the Lord Jesus that closed the mouth of the lion. Right. Yeah. And when they put them other guys in there, oh, devoured them, just to prove it was a miracle. And then you got these three Hebrew young men. We call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We use their we use their Gentile names. And uh they got in trouble, didn't they? They got in trouble and, and then what they do, they threw them in the fiery furnace. what we'll teach you. Somebody showed up in the fiery furnace, didn't they? Hey, one like unto the Son of God. One like unto the Son of Who showed up in the fire? Jesus showed up. Amen. The great I am, the second person of the Trinity showed up. They tell you not to yell when you're preaching, I'm sorry. Oh my, I love Jesus. John seventeen five. Let's read it. John seventeen five. I think you, I think you need to mark this in your Bible. Uh, th- th- that's not outdated. Let's. He said. <clears throat> he said. And now, now that's present time. Oh Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee. Before the world was. I love reading that slow and I like the devil to hear it. Amen. Before the world was, Jesus said, I am. Yeah. Now, also you can see there the Trinity. I was with you and you were with me. You look back at John's uh, first verses there. He says he was God, he was with God in the beginning, before the beginning, the Trinity. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 13, Jesus made it even clearer. He said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. In John 1:26, uh, it speaks of Jesus and his involvement in creation. The Father... The Father, see, is the power behind it all. And the Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the deep, and the Son of Man is He that formed man in His own image. All of them are present to prove the Trinity. All of them are present at the baptism of Jesus. Boy, that's a hurdle for those oneness folks. You know, Lord bless them. They think they're the only one going to heaven. I don't even know because they got baptized in Jesus' name. You know, oh, they think they're the only one going and, but Lord, help them. I, I hope hope they're going, you know. I don't want them not to go, but they don't see the Trinity. They have a hurdle here in, in, at the baptism of Jesus. i got to get over this. And 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 they've they got to they wear around it. Cut the corners and go around it here. I don't remember what it is now, but you've got Jesus the Son being baptized. Anybody able to deny that? Jesus the Son being baptized. And then you got the Spirit descending in the form of a dove. It's the Spirit descending in the form of a dove. That's the third person of Trinity. And then they heard a voice out of heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What a wonderful Savior. We have a Savior. We go back to John here in the first chapter, first, first verse. He said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, a capital Word. And by the way, the Word, the Word also expression is another a translation of Word, the expression. You think about that. I remember studying, the, doing the Word studies and, and uh, finding that Word is also expression. Well, a Word is an expression, isn't it? I have expressed myself today. and How did I? With words. And so... Jesus is the expression of God. That matches over in Colossians. He's the express image of God. You know, know, Paul says in Colossians, he said, you put the infinite God, you put the spirit that God is, the uh, unreachable, untouchable, the one that cannot be hurt or damaged, you put him in a body, and that's what you got when you look at Jesus. He is the eternal word. Verse 2 of John says, And the same was in the beginning with God. Isn't it clear how John lays it out that there's a trinity? He, He lays it out. Now, there was a time when you and I were not. Right? There was a time when you and I were not. But of the Lord Jesus, there was never a time, nor there ever will be a time, when He is not. He always was, and He always will be. Now you go to the Gospels again. You go to Matthew. Matthew will trace the genealogy of Jesus back to Abraham. And there's a reason he's the king of the Jews. Matthew's purpose is to lay out to the, to the world that Jesus is the king of the Jews. But then you take old Dr. Luke, the, the physician, he'll take the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam. And what he's doing is laying out that, that he is flesh, he is one of us, right? He, he has come in the flesh. And so he goes all the way back to the original problem and says, this is the cure. But John, he goes back to the creation of the world and John said, he was already there when I went there. Already there. So, why was he born in Bethlehem? Well, I don't have the statistics with me. But the statistics of Jesus, the birth in Bethlehem, of him being an imposter, is is impossible to overcome. All of the prophecies, the 317 prophecies of the Old Testament, fulfilled by the Lord Jesus when he came, makes it impossible that he's not the one. What is he? He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. Now, Why was he born in Bethlehem? What to enter the world as a man. He became one of us. To enter the world as a man. And then to to understand us, to go through what we go through. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that he is a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He has been in the world with us, in the trenches with us. What a loving God we have. That he would take the time to come here, to have to experience the things that we experience. That's the love of God. And then, to the be our mediator. First Timothy 2 says that he's the only mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Jesus, the seed of the woman, the Son of God, became the mediator for us. God came here to fix the problem that was created in the garden for man he became a man he became the servant of man and he became sin for man he took care of us now we know that Jesus is our substitute he's our substitute if you go back to before the cross there was there was a problem God was limited in his Ability to fellowship with us. So he came. He came and he took upon him flesh but he did not take our nature. He had the nature of God. And the Bible says in the book of Romans 5.12 Wherefore by one man sin entered, sin entered into the world. And then in verse 19 it, it really says that he's the cure of the sin of the world. I've heard people say I, I've in witnessing I've Never heard it from the pulpit. I don't think I've ever heard it through any preacher or anything, but I've heard people say, well, even Jesus sinned. Anybody else heard that witnessing? I've heard that. M- more times than you can imagine, really. Not, not a lot, but more times, even Jesus sinned. That is one of the real deals I'll take objection to because the nature of Jesus is at stake. I don't want the person to be fouled up on that because you have to understand the substitute for our sin had to be without sin. If he had sinned, he could not be our sacrifice. He could not be our substitute. The innocent, sinless baby, There in the Christmas story is the picture of the Savior. And listen, he had those swallowing clothes on in that manger. He had those same swallowing clothes on on that cross. And the Lamb of God, the pure, sensitive, sinless Jesus died for our sins. Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. God gave his son. Now this relationship of the Father and the Word was personal. Personal. It was, it was, there was no break in it whatsoever. It was perfect and it never parted. Jesus, if you look at John 17, you get the picture of the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Spirit for all the ages. It's There's nothing that breaks it. And then Jesus becomes sin for us and is separated. And He cries. Why wouldn't He? Why wouldn't He? You and I, we, we go into a sinful place and we think nothing of it. But Jesus went into that sinful place on the cross and it destroyed his spirit. It broke his heart. I wish that we could carry this thought with us that sin is an insult to God. Sin, it breaks the heart of God. And it broke the heart of Jesus on the cross. They pierced his side and out from his heart water and blood. The cleansing of sin. The washing of renewal. The eternal word became flesh to die for us, wrapped in that form in that that form of a baby, was Almighty God, wonderful, counselor, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the Alpha and Omega, and Jesus, the Savior. When God came down, when God came down to be a man, it's the wonder of wonders. It's a miracle. Great is the mystery of godliness. is what Paul said in 1 Timothy 3.16, I believe it's first, maybe second. Great is the mystery of godliness that God became flesh and dwelt among us. He made this great trip for man. The great trip wasn't to the moon. It was from heaven. And he was the one that made us. He's the one that made us. And the one that made heaven. And by the way, the one that is preparing a place for us right now, those of us who believe. He came, verse 4 and 5, look at it. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness. He's talking about this world. And the, and the darkness comprehended it not. He came. The great tragedy. Look at verse 10. And he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. You know, all these people that get mixed up about God and this and that, And who created the world and all that? They just need to read the first chapter of John. You You know, we just exposed the problem with unbelieving people. They don't read the Bible. It solves the problem. The great tragedy, the world rejected him. They knew him not. They knew him not. And because of that lack of identity, because of that lack of identity, the very Son of God was separated out as if he was a criminal. Sometimes I get frustrated when people uh, talk bad about other people's character and, and want to say they're a bad person. You know what I'm talking about? I get upset when but then I get to thinking about the Son of God in a little little place in this world, in, in Jerusalem was separated out and, and he was marked among the evildoers so much that they would good conscience let him away to be crucified. I wouldn't know why going along with that. They They did it because they believed it. And they crucified the Son of God. And the problem is for me is that when we sin we're helping out in crucifying Christ, nailing him to the cross, because our sins did nail him to the cross. Then verse 11 again, he said, as he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Isn't that sad? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you? How many? you, you, you You got kids that didn't come home for Thanksgiving. And I'm not meaning they couldn't, they just didn't. God. God, he came among his own, and they refused to acknowledge him. He's just one of the boys. That's the great tragedy. But the great transaction, verse 12, but, when you see the word but in the Bible, you better pay attention. Things are changing. But, as many as receive him, To them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. We can trade our sins for salvation by simply putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by receiving Him as our Lord and Savior. It's it's more than just believing in in a person, Jesus. It's believing in Jesus, the Savior, that died for our sins. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. You can be saved and you become one of the sons of God with simple faith. It's not turning over a new leaf. Oh yeah, it's turning from your sin to receive Jesus, but it's not turning over a new leaf and it's not saying, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. I, I, you know, You know, I've been a bad person for so long. I, I think I'll just become a Christian. No, that's not what it's all about. It's when God calls you. God is speaking to you and you say, I need Jesus as my Savior. Let's bow our heads, give an opportunity of response today. Every Christian, I hope that we would know Him more and love Him more. But if you're here today and you do not know the Lord as your Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to become a Christian today. Give you the opportunity to be saved. How how simple is that? If you'll come to this altar, we'll show you, and we'll lead you to Jesus, and you can know you're a Christian. You don't have to hope you are. You don't have to wait till you die and figure out if you are not. You can know today that you're saved and that you know Jesus. Let's all stand now as we sing. Would you come to receive Jesus as your Savior? What about a Christian that wants to rededicate their life? You want to return to Christ? and You want to live for Christ? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Come as we sing one more verse just as ushers come for our morning offering. It's good to be in the Lord's house. I hope you enjoyed being here.